This is a CNA podcast. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. When it comes to the ever-evolving COVID-19 situation, we need to expect and understand that there will be developments and new strains, new variants. Don't get too comfortable with, for example, BA.4, BA.5, which I guess we were just getting comfortable with. But new variants have been causing more than 11% of new infections in the US, BQ1 and BQ1.1, which are uh, said to be the descendants of BA.5. And then here in Asia, XBB, we've been hearing so much about that. That's been trending with worries that it's potentially more virulent and maybe better able to evade your immunity. I'm Daniel Martin here on Health Matters, exploring these latest COVID developments. Joining me on today's edition, Associate Professor Suli Yang, Vice Dean, Global Health and Program Leader for Infectious Diseases at NUS Sosie Hawk School of Public Health. Professor Su, welcome back to the show. Always good to connect. Thank you for being here. Hello again, Daniel. It's been a while. I want to talk about XBB for sure, but first let's focus on BQ.1 and BQ1.1. That's less in Asia, more in the United States that we're seeing. So what are these? These are strains. These are descendants of BA.5? That's right. They are subvariants and they are descendants of uh, BA.5. Uh, mainly there are mutations to the spike protein that enable them to evade our immune system response even better than BA.5. That's what we're going to see, right, going forward. That's going to be a common refrain. Basically, as these things, as new strains emerge, it's always going to be about new developments in terms of the spike protein on the surface. That's right. So in general, the latest and more successful subvariants will be the ones that are most successful at evading our immunity that's developed from prior infections or vaccines. Because, remind us, that's what this is all about. That's why COVID has become so contagious. It's because of that spike protein has been able to, I don't know, hook on and get in, in a way, so to speak. You are right. The, the virus itself hasn't changed very much compared, if you compare variants to other variants. I mean, it's how well they evade the immune system that allows them to outcompete the earlier variants. So can we quantify, how can we assess what we're seeing with BQ.1 and BQ.1.1? Are these better at evading our immunity significantly? I think relative to the older variants, such as BA.5, they are better. That's why in the US, as you pointed out earlier, um, these two sub-variants will likely become the dominant COVID variants in the weeks ahead. But it'll be interesting to see what happens in Singapore and parts of Asia because they will have to compete against the XBB variants. Look at that. It's the Olympics going on amongst the strains and variants. What do we see? What's the difference, remind us, about strain versus variant? I guess you can view them the same way. Variants are just like uh, subgroups or subtypes of an original virus. Mm. And obviously subvariants are descended from variants. Got it. Okay, so let's talk about that, that the numbers that we're seeing. Yeah, so as I mentioned, the U.S. Um, estimations of more than 11% of new infections there due to BQ.1, BQ.1.1. Here in Asia, we've got XBB that's uh, potentially exponentially increasing as well. What are the trends that you're seeing? What are we predicting from a public health, a global public health point of view in terms of the growth and spread of BQ.1 and BQ.1.1? I think in the U.S. it will overtake BA.1. And become the dominant variants um, in parts of the world where XBB is spreading. We don't know yet, so that will be, I guess, interesting to view from an academic perspective because XBB is also very efficient at evading our immune system, and comparatively, it's similar to BQ1.1. Yeah. So, looking at the BQs, uh, first of all, then. I know at the end of the day, we all just want to know one thing: new variant, new strain, sure. But 
am I still protected with, you know, I mean, a lot of us, we had our first shots over a year ago. It's been a while now. And then there have been new strains in BA.4, and BA.5, and now BQs as well. Are we still protected via our three to four doses that we might have had? Yeah, you can get lost in the alphabet and numbers super yes. variants, right? <laughs> yes. It's like it's worth so, figuring out what the new iPhone is, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that one at least has a consistent numbering True. system. <laughs> but in this case, um, I think the, the bad news is that we are not well protected against infection, except in the first few months after getting, say, the, the last vaccination dose or the last infection. Uh, but the good news is that we will still be strongly protected against bad outcomes from the infection. So people who are vaccinated and boosted are much less likely to, to die from COVID-19 or to, to need ICU care. Why is that the case? Because to a lot of us, the layperson, we think vaccine means shield. I have a shield around me. But you can still get infected after that initial period of vaccination, as you mentioned. But the point is, long term, you're going to have more likely to have that less severe experience. Why? Is it about those T-cells? Is it about our immune response that's left over? I don't know that there's a simple way to explain this, but the protection against infection is, um, is due to the amount of antibodies circling in our blood. Mm. And if that's high enough, we are protected against infection. If that falls below a certain threshold, then infection occurs. But the infection by the virus then triggers our immune response. Um, and that triggering becomes stronger when we had previously been vaccinated and boosted. And that immune response that occurs as uh, uh, triggered by the infection will be the one that protects us against bad outcomes of infection. That was very simple. You made it really simple. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. I got it exactly that way. So that's the thing. The, the, the cells remember. You've been exposed to the, the opponent before. It remembers. It knows a little bit how to fight it and how to um, ward it off, so to speak, long term. But but uh, I've seen the headlines. I've seen what's going on when it comes to the BQs and maybe XBB. People are talking about things like immune evasive and things like that. Is there such a thing? Can you be immune evasive? Yes, and that's how uh, viruses, including influenza virus, continues to spread mm. by becoming uh, more and more efficient at evading the antibodies that are produced against it. But thankfully, there are other parts of our immune system rather than just the, the antibodies, mm -hmm. and, and that allows us to escape the most severe effects of such infections. Right. Okay, so... The reality is, as this becomes endemic, just like we've had with the influenza experience for years and years and years and years, people are going to catch it. But hopefully the more that we are vaccinated as a society, it means that less people are going to have severe outcomes and worst case scenario die from it. That's right. I think that's the best parallel at present, that it will be like influenza in that sense. Yeah. And the other side of um, the fight against COVID, let's not forget that we've got antivirals in place. Paxlovid has been approved in Singapore, it's utilized and things like that. Are these going to still be effective against things like BQ.1 and BQ1.1? Currently, the good news is that the oral antivirals like Paxlovid and Malnuprovir will still work against these variants. Uh, but the antibody cocktails, the monoclonal antibodies, will be much less effective. Ah, okay. So does that mean that we're also down the road going to see um, regular developments in terms of antivirals based on dominant strains and things like that? The, I don't really think so, except for the monoclonal antibodies. Mm -hmm. um, but the oral antivirals will still continue to work. Uh, but of course, you know, 
over time, they'll become less effective and we'll need to have new antivirals. Yeah. Coming up next, we'll talk about XBB in particular. Uh, but Professor Su, just as we end off this segment, something's just occurred to me. Since we just mentioned that parallel to the idea of uh, the influenza, when it comes to developing the influenza vaccine, researchers kind of predict what are going to be the dominant strains next time around, and hence you've got the new vaccines that come out. Is that possible with something like COVID? Could you predict the next strains or mutations? I think in the future it may be possible, but uh, currently we are just generating so many new variants each time. Mm. It is in fact faster than influenza. We're seeing XBB in Singapore. Very different naming convention that's going on here as well. What do we need to understand about this? Associate Professor Suli Yang, Vice Dean Global Health and Program Leader for Infectious Diseases at the NUS Sosui Hawk School of Public Health, joining me once again. Uh, so, Professor Su, XBB, different uh, nomenclature going on here. Why is that? I'm wondering. I'm curious. So, XBB is, is a chimera. It's also an Omicron subvariant. Uh, but it's actually a recombinant virus that combines two different Omicron subvariants, uh, the BA.2.10.1 and the BA.2.75. So when you're Chimera, you, you might get a new name, potentially? <laughs> <laughs> you get new letters, yes. You get new letters. All right, so how is XBB different from what we were just discussing when it comes to uh, those descendants of BA.5? I guess it is similar in the sense that it it's also very able to evade the immune system. Uh, in some respects, it is equivalent to the BQ 1.1 that we discussed earlier. Uh, but otherwise, it is similar in most respects to other COVID subvariants. Is it also about basically developments or changes in the spike protein on the surface? That's right, yes. I see. Okay, but here's the thing. We did hear Health Minister Ong Yi Kang speaking about the strain, saying that the Ministry of Health is watching it very closely. That was the 11th of October. Where are we now, in your opinion? So I think we can be cautiously optimistic because it looks from the MOH data that the peak has likely already occurred. And this peak is lower than earlier waves, such as the prior Omicron or the BA4 and 5 wave. There was news and, and, and word about riding out the wave and that we didn't really need enhanced protocols for something like XBB, and that seems to have panned out. That's right, yes. So we have been quite fortunate in that respect. Look at the numbers, though. And even though we've seen that petering out, so to speak, is this going to become the new dominant strain over BA4, BA5? I think it's already, I think, 75% or higher of all the different variants and subvariants in Singapore. So it is the dominant strain. Yes. Oh, it is. So most of us, if you've had it recently, most likely it could have been XBB. That's right. So that's the thing. Okay, good. Because that leads into the next point that I want to raise. Because bottom line, is it more dangerous? So none of the new variants and subvariants are more deadly than the Delta variants or even the original COVID variants. Uh, but I think the takeaway here is that each new infection, especially in the elderly, uh, is one more chance to get a bad outcome from COVID-19. Yeah, exactly. But each time it's infecting and spreading more, because that's all the virus wants at the end of the day, right? It just wants to replicate and infect as many people as possible because that's the nature of what it wants to do. It wants to be present in as much of the population as possible. But each time it's doing that and becoming more good at adapting and evading the immune response and things like that, is, is that also increasing the chance not only of 
like you said, an elderly individuals are coming, but it's also increasing the odds and chance of it replicating and mutating further. Single-minded purpose, yes. Mm. But basically, it, it will mutate further to evade the immune system, uh, but it's very unlikely for it to mutate such that it becomes 10 times more dangerous than mm. the original virus, for instance. That's very unlikely to happen. Because that's also not in its own self-interest in a way. You can say that, yes. Yeah, it doesn't want to kill the host um, altogether. It wants to, you know, live alongside us uh, quite succinctly, I think. Professor Su, we've been hearing a lot about bivalent vaccines coming online in Singapore. Um, so that's going to replace the, the uh, current monovalent vaccines that most of us took to begin with. With the new strains, with XBB being here in Singapore as well, will bivalent vaccines protect against things like XBB and, and other newer strains better? So the bivalent vaccines will elicit a better antibody response against the Omicron variants and subvariants, and that includes uh, XBB and BQ 1.1 and so on and so forth. But in a little in, in, a, in a way, it's like talking about iPhones, right? Do you get an iPhone 13 and an iPhone 14, and is that that big a difference? Uh, for the majority of people, there isn't going to be that difference in terms of protection. But the key thing is that we should all get a booster, whether it is the, um, the bivalent vaccine or the original vaccine. But since it is free, uh, and for the record, I think uh, people like me will go for the bivalent vaccine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So remind us, why is it better able to elicit that response? Well, it's called bivalence because it's now got a component of the original Omicron variant spike protein as part of its uh, makeup. Um, and therefore, it will trigger off an antibody response that is better targeted against the spike proteins of the Omicron variants. So bottom line, it looks like potentially we could get better long-term uh, coverage from something like a bivalent vaccine. That's, that data is a little bit difficult to ascertain at present. Um, let's just say that for the majority of people, this is not going to matter. But for the elderly and those whose immune systems are compromised, then yes, it would be much better to get the bivalent vaccine. So does it look like we're reaching a point, again, going back to our original analogy of the uh, influenza experience, does it look like we're going to get to that point where more and more of us are going to get more regular vaccines against COVID year on year? I think it's certainly looking that way, Daniel, and I think uh, you can certainly comment on that as well, because that's the the conclusion that many people are coming to. Uh, the key question is whether an annual vaccine will be enough or for certain groups like the elderly, it would need to be a twice yearly vaccine. Mm. So is it more about frequency of vaccine or more effective vaccine? Currently, unless things change, it looks to be more about the frequency of the vaccines, although we can expect the efficacy of the vaccines to increase over time against newer variants. Uh, but it's a chicken and egg thing, right? There will be newer variants coming up again and again over time as well. Yeah, this is what it means to be living endemically with it. And as I said in my introduction, 
we are reaching that stage where we realize that this is going to become more common. We're going to be hearing these headlines about new variants, about new strains, and we're going to talk about it on this show. And we're going to explain it to you and help you understand any fears and concerns that you might have about it. Because the more we know, the better we can manage our health matters. Associate Professor Su Liang has been joining me. Thank you very much, Professor Su. He's Vice Dean, Global Health and Program Leader, Infectious Diseases at the NUS Salisbury Hawk School of Public Health. To listen to more Health Matters podcasts, Head on over to cna.asia slash listen. Uh, scroll down to CNA 93 on demand and download the Health Matters podcasts. I'm Daniel Martin. Thank you for joining me. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.